Dice Company contains fantasy violence, mature themes, and unapologetic bickering. No feelings were hurt in the making of it, but listener discretion is advised. Dice Company will always be free, but it's not free to make. Please consider supporting us on Patreon or Apple Podcasts and get access to our weekly roundtable show Extra Roll. Just follow any of the links in the show notes for this chapter. Welcome, one and all, to Dice Company, where a group of old friends weave tales of triumph, heroism, and despair under the guise of playing Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Tom, and I'll be your DM through the continuing adventures of this expanded party of oath-taking, clone-making, ego-breaking, shake-and-baking, shroop-partaking, dungeon-escaping fakers. Oath-taking, clone-making, ego-breaking, shake-and-baking, shroop-partaking, dungeon-escaping fakers, please introduce yourselves and tell the audience one fun fact about your characters. Wow. Oh, that was so good. That was amazing. That was so good. Hello, I am Dave, and I am playing Benny Quez. Um, one fun fact about Benny Quez is, so he's now been away from his hometown of Middleton for maybe about three months since he since he set off. Uh, and in that time, he has not had a haircut. The reason being that the only person he trusted to get that near to his head with a sharp blade was his old friend Boffo from his uh, from his previous gang. And so now he is unable to get a haircut and it's starting to bother him. <laughs> well, Boffo's going on the list of characters who are going to make a surprise appearance, <laughs> I can tell you that much. <laughs> Just coming in for a haircut. This is why no one can see his scar, because the hair's always over it. <laughs> exactly, yeah, I just haven't noticed. I want to see Top cut the hair and then have to do like a strength check to see if he pulls <laughs> Benny's head off. <laughs> <laughs> the hair has been cut. Well, the simplest way seems to be to attach glue and then rip it off. And also, with the way it works with hairdressers, like as much of a massacre as he makes of it, at the end, Benny's got to go. Uh, yeah, I, I, I find, I find that acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> they show you a little mirror of the back, and you just yeah, go, yeah. yeah, yeah, great, yeah, thank you. I, I never thought of cutting just half of it off. <laughs> I'm Harry playing Tok, a six foot eight imposing automaton, and my fact is. Uh, the taxonomic status of automatons is still a point of debate amongst the more scholarly gnomes of Ovik. The constructionists offer a new taxonomic category entirely, claiming that uh, automatons are sentient machines. The inosculari uh, argue that two separate branches on the tree of life have been grafted together, referring to the two living ingredients used in the ritual that creates them. Oh my God, every single <laughs> week, there's words I don't understand in your intro. Of course. <laughs> Which book did you get this from? Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Which middling TV series did you read that from? Someone's been watching Billions. <laughs> <laughs> That's so weird. Billions was the one in my head as well. I was absolutely going to say that. That is. I think it was the Damien Lewis. Yeah, it must be. <laughs> Well, uh, phenomenal, as always. Just um, Much like life with Damien Lewis, I haven't heard of billions until it's referenced on this podcast. Brilliant. Okay, <laughs> moving on. Why do I always follow Tok, by the way? All right, all right, all right. <laughs> no, no, I'm in. I'm in. I'm, you know, I'm just so not... you can steal facts from people's uh, intro. <laughs> if you're saying you're not up to it, just say it. That's fine. Just put it on record. Okay, delete everything. I, I want nothing. I want in no sense to sound like I'm not up to Tok. Hi, I'm Charlie. I play Vander Finnick. Uh, and this week's fact is about the automatons. It turns out Vander, unbeknownst to the crew, actually can play all of the instruments that the automatons play, but he never does. It's important to him 
that the automatons play them. And he's taken a great deal of time to teach them the instruments. It's all to do with the fact that he wants them to appear and feels himself that they have sentience. As to why he wants that, that's a question for another fun fact. Wow. Nice. That was really good. That was me sparring off Tox fact. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when, when you said your, your fact was about the automatons, I thought you were about to say, there are two schools of thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have gone, there are three schools of thought. <laughs> two incorrect ones. <laughs> and Vander's one. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Oh, well, I, you, you guys have had three amazing facts. Um, hey, new guy. <laughs> How you doing? Make the new kids stand up in class. Oh, here we go. Hi, I'm Scott, and I play Bardle Schultz. Uh, Bardle's first fun fact is that he firmly believes in the theory of multiple planes existence and parallel universes. Uh, this is due to the fact that occasionally throughout his life, starting when he was 13, he began receiving memories from other vis- versions of himself. Occasionally he realises, but often he doesn't, and he will spout those facts out as if they are facts of his own that he has taken place in his own memories. And the main reason for him wanting to become an adventurer was because he once received a memory from a version of himself, which he thinks as the one Bardal, the chosen of the Stormfather. And he hopes that if he continues on his road as an adventure, he will one day become the Bardal of his memory. Well, holy shit. Awesome. He's absolutely crushed the lot of you. (laughs) First time out. (laughs) That opens us up to two possibilities. Either that's all true, or Bardle's nuts. (laughs) (laughs) It also opens up the possibility that recruitment is the most important part of building a team. And essentially, what the DM's done here is picked four dimwits. If if he picked better staff to start with, the facts would have been amazing. Oh my God, that was genuinely, genuinely awesome. Um, Yeah, fantastic work. And for the first time ever, we are four for four with one left to bat. Uh, Step up. Hello, I'm Alex and I'm playing Augustus. And Augustus has realised something. We often talk about how Benny's scar has passed unremarked. However, as the days post Augustus's incredible hangover have rolled by, his memories have coagulated into something you might call a solid mass. And within that, he has remembered that every time he drunkenly asked about Benny's scar, Tok instantly jumped in and deflected it, saying that it wasn't important, leading Augustus to conclude the following. Tok knows how Benny got his scar, and therefore, Tok knew Benny before this adventure began. Oh my god, someone please tell me immediately whether there's any truth to this. Can we just go straight in game? Because I will vander over. I can neither confirm nor deny uh, the suppositions oh. here within. But that was an amazing fact. Five for five, perfect round. Congratulations, everyone. Oh, I'm even past facts, though. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely, lovely stuff. Um, Let's get going with the latest chapter of Dice Company. In last week's adventure, you guys witnessed not only the rebirth of Tick, 
but the solemn oath of Augustus, before finally meeting the man you've heard about for weeks, Bardal Schultz. He was being chased by a group of bounders led by a captain and supported by a shadowy figure with face tattoos. Having defeated your enemies, you captured the captain, tied him up in the lower decks of the Sterling after a spirited discussion about whether to kill him or not. Bardal, a champion pit fighter, beloved by the people of Slateholm, has come to you with a plan to stick two fingers up at the Empire while potentially making some money and sending a message to the corrupt mayor of Slateholm, Doxy Abelman. He intends to break into the deepest vault of the Topaz Keep to recover the blueprints of the Steamrunner before they can be handed over to the Tamrace Foundation. The majority of the group then spent the evening discussing old war stories and getting to know one another. Augustus, fresh off his oath day, seemed unsure about yet another criminal activity, but while guarding their prisoner, mainly from the perceived threat of Vander, he received a visit from Vander. Vander intimated that the fires of rebellion begin with a singular spark and that they could be the ones to light it. Augustus was left with the unconscious captain and a lot to think about. It is the 11th of Gladden, and there are eight days until the summer solstice. After a night's rest, the five of you gather in the galley for some food. You are joined by Lenny the dog, Tick, Nozzle, and Otis, while Rosalind serves you the last of the food supplies you have on board, a delicious fried breakfast with a strong emphasis on Quetzalcoatlus meat. Plex enters the room with a feather duster in hand and begins dusting. What would you like to do? I think Bardle would immediately like to thank uh, Rosalind for the meal that she's created and for all of the time that she spent with him the last evening and helping him and stuff. Because while the boys all, after they went to sleep, they hung around, they chatted in the in the galley. And she made him some lovely soup and he'd be very happy. It's tough to tell if, if Tortles blush, but if they could, she is. Uh, Augustus enters the mess hall dressed as a bounder captain and says, gentlemen, I would like to apologise. I realise that the quest suggested to us by Bardle is something that you all wish to participate in and I do not wish to stop you. And indeed, my friend Vander here has persuaded me that it would be a blow against the Empire and therefore one we need to strike. And a team like that needs a leader, a captain. And I would like to be that captain, which is why I'm dressed as a captain. Captain. My God, it's good news, Mustang, as I brashly smack Vander on the back. It's excellent to see you, Augustus, dressed so horrifically, I may say, but uh, it serves you well. And yes, we would be glad to have you lead us, eh, boys? Vander appraises Augustus. He does rather look the part, doesn't he? A captain. Yes. Augustus winks at Vander, and Vander doesn't pass out. <laughs> Swoon. Vander may or may not wink back. We, as we established previously, don't know. <laughs> so there's a wink and a blink. I've been uh, I've been having a couple of thoughts myself, and while I uh, don't think that's a bad plan at all by any means, uh, Augustus, my thinking was maybe maybe what we need isn't a captain. Maybe what we need is that captain in there. How would it be if he staggered in to Slateholm and announced, because obviously he's the chap that everyone knows has been chasing Bartle Schultz. What if, bloodied and battered and beaten, he staggered into the Bounders station and announced that there's about to be a daring raid from a gang of criminals led by Bartle Schultz on said Bounders station? He could perform the role in his pants. 
Thing is, Vanda. Or Rosalind's nighty. I've been doing a bit of studying in my room, as you know. I've I've, uh, I've been away from you for a little while, and well, thing is, we don't actually need him alive. It wouldn't. It wouldn't actually be him. It'd it'd be me. But at the same time, you don't look anything like that dog, Benny. What are you talking about? Well, this is the thing. What I've discovered is I can make myself look like him. That is not usually a gift of our kind, Benny. You've been holding out on me. What do you know? Vanda leans in, intrigued. I've just been reading a few things, Vanda. Reading a few things and trying a few things out and experimenting on a few things. Head in the books. And, uh, quite right. Quite right. This is something I've discovered I can do. You know, that's just my thought was that there's going to be a raid on Bounder Station at a certain time and date, then all the bounds in the city are going to go there, leaving the Topaz Keep as good as unguarded. Perhaps we can combine the two plans. We could have Benny distract the guards and call them away, whilst we reinforce the Topaz Keep with a detachment of guards led by our captain, thereby swinging the odds in our favour. What say you, Captain, my captain? Banda turns back to Augustus. Fine plan, says Augustus, who you get the sense that he wasn't really listening. But, you know, that's an officer. He doesn't listen to his men. But good. Well done. Bring me a cigar. Excellent. Will we be making use of the other uniforms then? One would assume we will. Absolutely. Although we now may be lacking people to fill them. Uh, if you'll forgive me, Vanda, do you fit the description of the average bounder? I'm more likely to be a sergeant at arms there only to count inventories and so forth. Not quite a Gary pencil, if you will. Certainly not a fighting man. Very well. Vanda, you may fit the bill of a shadow vanguard. Oh my. What an interesting idea. I'll give that some consideration. Plex! Vanda turns. Yain Wander. Uh, <laughs> Plex! Vanda says again. Yain Wander. My god. What's up with your droid, Vanda? Uh, yeah, just look right. I have to say, this is a development. Niam Conversario Golgodrinin. And again, the full language on the lot. Vanda pauses, then turns very slowly round and looks in Tox's direction. Is Plex speaking uh, gnomish? He is. Everyone who can speak <laughs> gnomish understands what he just said, which is, I'm speaking in my default language of gnomish. He follows it with, Good setting in Heisen Reset Ani Ama Functionario Lent Maximus Capabilitarium Duncan R. Tok. <laughs> well, the operative word in that particular sentence was talk. Vanda turns, one eye fixed, steely on talk. I believe you are incorrect, Vanda. The operative word was reset. I suggest you put Plex back to his original form immediately. He is in his original form. It is his mind that has been altered. I understand that the semantics of conversations can elude you, talk, but let me assure you, Terrible, terrible misunderstandings and indeed events will occur to you and those you love if Lex is not returned to the state he was in a number of days ago. I will find that acceptable. Uh, Tok will walk over to Plex, pop open his cranial plate in the galley and start uh, start making adjustments. Well, give me a Tinker's Tools check, please. While this is going on, Bard will just, it's just going off to the side, uh, just moving away momentarily. He's become a bit confused about what's happening here. One minute we were talking about a heist, and now there's some kind of a vengeance thing going on, and 
I'm just going to kind of move back, pour a little tin out and offer a cheroot to Rosalind. And we're just going to sit and smoke together and watch like a couple of old Lils. What, just wait to see what unfolds, you know? Oh, thank you very much, Bardol. Okay, uh, 11. While this is going on, Vander has removed his heavy flintlock from his cloak and placed it across his knees. Uh, Augustus casts a worried glance at Rosalind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she should be smoking. I think she might. Anyway, no, she's fine. Well done, Rosalind. Yeah. Do we have any idea what uh, <laughs> exotic shrewds will do to the biology of a turtle? <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out. For <laughs> <Our> science. <laughs> Tuck closes the faceplate. And uh, we'll, te- we'll yeah, he'll, he'll close the faceplate and he'll he'll test by uh, informing uh, Plex. Um, Plex, may you speak in common. Wine, talk. Uh, talk will turn to Vander and say, this may take some time. I can speak in common. Ah, we have found success. Plex. Yine, Wanda. Plex, can you speak in common if you choose? Yine, Wanda. Vander looks extremely disappointed. And turns back to Tok. Tok, I understand that we have pressing matters, but please also understand that you have exactly 48 hours before I blow Tick's brains out and remove the elements you stole from Plex to make my automaton whole again. Am I completely clear? No, Vander, you are not. There are no elements that have been removed from Plex. It matters not to me. He is correct. No parts have been removed from me. What has happened to you, Plex? I like the welcome, Yain Wander. I can change it if you wish. You are speaking in tongues because you enjoy it? Yain Wander. This will take some further consideration. Vander stows the heavy flintlock. Tok, never touch Plex or any of the automatons again. Otherwise, I assure you, immediate violence will befall your person. Vander, don't threaten talk. Benny, stay out of it. No, Vander, we're meant to be a team here. You don't get to talk to people like that. Vander turns on Benny. He just tinkered with the brains of one of my good friends. What is it to do with you? And he will fix it. So you're on his side. You think it was reasonable to do? You told him he could use the, the, the automaton. Look, he hadn't done it on purpose. I understand you're upset. You don't get to get threatened to kill his maker. That's all I'm saying. Of course. I'm now adding Lenny to my list. This conversation is closed. Augustus smiles for that. Vanda, if you do not wish for me to touch Plex or any of the other automatons, I may not repair them. Repairing requires physical contact. You may touch him purely to repair him, and then the rule stands. Are we clear? I find that to be acceptable. Let's just hope they don't fall off the airship or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Banda looks absolutely furious, but just about holding himself together. I believe I have a costume change. And he strides as far as it's possible for Banda to stride from the room. Oh, God. (laughs) Which country is about to get really angry with us? (laughs) (laughs) Even after he's gone, uh, Tok's going to turn to Augustus and uh, say, um, Augustus. If we are to assume the identity of the Bounder Captain, we must know the identity of the Bounder Captain. Yeah, I'll go and have a, I'll go and have a chat with him. Y- yes, that talk would be a job for Benny. 
I will be assuming the identity of a bounder captain. I will not be pretending to be the bounder captain we have imprisoned because other bounders in Slate Home may well know him. So instead, I will have to pretend to be a newly arrived bounder captain. Yeah. So on my bit of the uh, the subterfuge, I'm not going to pass for him as normal. He's going to have to be very badly injured, you know, just about, just about able to gasp out a few words otherwise i think they're going to see through me so my thinking is gasp out a few words to uh to let them know about raid and then and then have a bit of a collapse get myself taken to infirmary and should be fairly easy to get out from there uh, a question for you talk assuming bardle you are content to play the role of a common bounder under myself as captain absolutely benny's role we know talk disguising myself as a bounder would be difficult Correct. So what will you do? And what, if anything, will Tick do? Is it reasonable in Slate Home, perhaps, Bardo, you would know this, to have two automatons accompanying a group of bounders for any reason? Obviously, he, they wouldn't be able to show their sentience. But yeah, I mean... Well, I suggest we arm Tick and Tock identically and with, I presume, relatively ordinary looking weapons that might be held by automatons in, in the employ of the bounders. To your disguises, men, uh, how long will you need, Benny, to effect your changes? Or will you perform this at the last moment before we enter the city? Yeah, I reckon just before we enter the city. I've only tried it a couple of times, but the effects seem to last about an hour. So, but this, like, I'm really hoping, obviously, that you've got some ability here and you've not just been pulling faces. The <laughs> <laughs> big old fake nose and a wig. <laughs> I've lost a lot of faith. Now he's saying it, it kind of depends on being really badly beaten up. I have an image that Benny's been punching himself in the face. <laughs> Basically, I've discovered I can get kind of swelling and discoloration through this amazing magical method. It's an illusion, but it doesn't hold up to very great inspection. If they provide medical attention more than just opening a window, you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> uh, Benny, I suggest you take a rope and grappling hook. Since the bounder station is near the city wall, perhaps you can at least make a swift escape when you decide the moment has come. They should not put you under any great guard. No, I wouldn't have thought so. I mean, if they catch you, you're absolutely fucked. <laughs> Do we uh, feel we need to have a conversation with the captain to find out any tasting bits about his life? Well, I'd like I'd like to hear his accent and just get a bit of his mannerisms, but I don't I don't plan to be very chatty when I'm pretending to be him, so I don't think I need to know where he's from or anything. Well, perhaps while we change, Benny may want to uh, yeah sit down and have a conversation with him. Sounds good. His name is Hugo Steppenwolf, and he's a uh, down and dirty Cockney. That's <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Thanks for that. So you guys have all prepared yourself. Vander, how are you dressed? Vander appears back in the galley wearing um, a cloak that covers most of his face, so you can only just discern the mask. The, the glass cane is probably the most obvious thing. He shambles back in. Like the Emperor from Star Wars. Very like that. Is that that different to how he normally dresses? <laughs> it's, it's fairly different. Bardle comes in uh, in his outfit looking rather uncomfortable in the kind of stiff buttons of it all. But he has the, the bladed club at his thing, but he takes his two swords and he just leaves them on the table in the galley and uh, nods to Rosalind and then walks away just wearing fine weaponry. Well, thank you. They are flashy, though, and I fear that I fear they will not pass as a uh, bounder's weapon. So here they will remain. Quite understand. 
Rosalind will keep a good eye of them here, I trust. That's the first person who's been nice to Rosalind. Hope you all feel absolutely ashamed of yourselves. Fox literally brought her food. <laughs> oh, shut up. I frequently compliment her on her cooking. You do. Who's Rosalind? Be- <laughs> Benny's, <laughs> Benny's a sweetheart. I love a tour. Um, okay, so you guys uh, begin to make your way towards Fleet Home. Scott, can you roll a d20 for me, please? Was that a 14? That was a 14. There we go. You guys follow the now familiar path from the Sterling into Slate Home, with the midday sun beating down on the baking cobbled stone street. Benny, you are heading towards the 9th District Bounder Station. I certainly am. And the rest of you are heading towards the Topaz Keep. Yes, marching in a sort of captain first, then two bounders. No, sorry, then bounder and shadow. Va- Ooh, actually, would a shadow vanguard go at the front? I would imagine so. Well, I would imagine so. Yep. Shadow Vanguard at the front, Captain and Bounder, and then Automatons marching along in lockstep, I'm sure. Bardle has the hat pulled as low as possible, hair pushed up, looking tremendously unshortsian at the moment, so we're we're okay. The Captain is also wearing a piece of material across his face, uh, as if to kind of shelter from bad weather, because let's face it, Augustus uh, made a bit of a scene last time he was here. There is an atmosphere of joy and celebration in the streets, and the early signs of bunting and celebratory wood carvings are being placed around, ahead of the summer solstice. Augustus, I was wondering if I might have a word. Of course, Vander, here? Yes, but Vander strides over to one of the balustrades and looks down on the marketplace and the festivities being prepared for, gazes out. It's a beautiful city in its way. Yes. Quite eye-catching, I thought. Augustus sighs and leans against the balustrade, looks across the crowd and says, what these people need is some hope. A fascinating insight, Augustus. Vander smiles. What's on your mind, Vander? Well, Augustus, I've been thinking. Your oath was most interesting, yet you do seem conflicted. Yes, I understand my broad goal, but I must admit the immediate actions that I must take still feel as far from me as ever. Yes, it may surprise you to know that I am no stranger to crises. It does not surprise me, Vander. Vander looks genuinely quizzical at that. Certainly, the past you describe is one of unimaginable torment, and a a deeper crisis is hard to imagine. Did I ever tell you about the time I wished for death? Was it during one of your conversations with Tok? Vanda chuckles, uncharacteristically for him, but carries on. Slightly more acute than that, my friend. You see, in the dungeons where I was held, I confess I lost all hope. For a time I wished for death, but knew at the same time that death would not be afforded to me. I spent many hours in the dark and the gloom, with only my next session to look forward to. And I confess I lost myself in that nightmare. But one night, a hand reached out to me through the bars. I couldn't see its owner, but it gripped mine. And something in that connection changed my experience of my life. I realized then that one thing you can't kill is hope. Not hope for the life you've had, maybe, but hope for something, a new life, whatever that may bring. That hand had a signet ring, I remember, a heron. 
I don't know the owner of the hand. He never spoke. I had already seen many of my closest friends tortured beyond endurance. But that hand gave me something. And I wonder if maybe you need such a gesture now. Would I be right? I admit the path before me is remains unclear, despite my moment of clarity in giving my oath. So perhaps there is some similarity in that a guiding hand would be of use to me. Have you considered the merits of chaos? Nothing too showy, just a steady drip, drip, drip of a word here, a gesture there, and a rebellion in the end. My fear that under the order of the empire, the ordinary people suffer, and in the chaos that might replace it, once again, the ordinary people suffer. However, if we give sufficient thought to that, then I see great merit, great appeal. I suggest we begin sowing the seeds of rebellion. We can't plan everything, but we can guide the hand of the people. It will take time, and we'll have to start small. I agree, Vander. Do you imagine would at least initially remain hidden from the Empire? We need presumably to grow our venture beyond the four of us. I believe that we should start in the shadows, as it were. Do you know what they call a group of herons? I confess I do not. A siege, Vander says with a grim delight. Almost unwillingly, a smile spreads across Augustus's face. Ah, the joys of common purpose, says Vander and turns, extending a gnarled hand. Augustus shakes it. There's something different in the handshake that Augustus would find very distinctive. Augustus reciprocates it. Vander smiles with all three of his teeth, and then his one eye turns back to the crowd. A heist remains to be done, my friend. Augustus takes a deep breath, swallowing his misgivings once again, and follows Vander. Ben, you make your way to the 9th District Bounders Station. As you approach, there are a couple of Bounders who are just milling around outside smoking cigarettes. They seem very calm and relaxed. So I slip into a, a nearby alleyway, pull out some papers from inside my robe and just quickly scan them again, just to kind of remind myself. And then I mutter a few words and twist the ring on my finger and I transform into Captain Hugo Steppenwolf, who has a very large wound on his stomach, which is kind of soaked, appears to be absolutely soaked in blood. Hugo is very pale and sweating and appears close to death. I step out of the alleyway and kind of drag myself towards the two bounders and shout, here, men, here. They spin quickly and drop their cigarettes at the sight of you and begin running over. You know me, yes. Steppenwolf, Captain Steppenwolf. Yes, Captain. Yes, Captain. Listen. Listen very carefully. <coughs> Schultz. Schultz is coming. He's raising an army. They're in a steam runner man's in. Get every bounder in town and take him. Yeah, yes, Captain. You you need you need help. You'd... Lads, lads. <coughs> I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to the temple. That's where I want to spend my last hours. Do this for me. Give me a persuasion check at advantage. Could it be deception? Yeah, deception. Yep, yep. Your your call. Anything or performance, to be honest. Twenty. Okay. Um, they look shocked at your what appear to be some of your final words, but there there is a knowing 
obviously, obviously the captain wants to spend his last days at the temple. This is a disaster. This is a tragedy. And they salute you both and then turn around and charge into the Bounder station, screaming about an impending attack. I uh, slip back into the alley and uh, disappear. Well, the pooch remains unscrewed for the moment. <laughs> have a bit of a Disney <laughs> film there where you, uh, yeah, absolutely, where you can't change back. <laughs> Very nice yeah, work. Yeah, that's great. The rest of you, you approach the Topaz Keep and are immediately enveloped in an aura of opulence and grandeur. Its entrance, the majestic gateway, is a breathtaking testament to Gnomish-inspired architecture. Towering minarets adorned with intricate geometric patterns reach for the heavens, their tips adorned with glimmering, faceted topaz gems that catch the sunlight. Massive arched doorways embellished with delicate mosaic tilework and rich blues and golds beckon you inside. Would you like to go in? Vanda continues walking. I want to find some guards, ideally. I take it there are guards on show? Actually, there aren't guards on show. It's It feels a very open area. There's there's only a handful of people walking around. It's very quiet. Okay. At the main entranceway, no, no guards that you can see at all. I'm looking for any sign of security. Okay. Perception? 20. There are there are no signs of any guards on the Topaz Keep. It's it's a really unusual display to have such an ornate and impressive building, but with no obvious guards in and around the outside. I'm going to keep making a beeline directly towards our goal. Staying, I'm beginning to get a bad feeling here. I feel the same. We're committed, though. Um, you begin to hear footsteps echoing, running in your direction. In the distance from within the Topaz Keep, you can see three or four bounders beginning to turn the corner. I walk, continuing towards, I take it our direction's taking us towards them? Yep. Okay, I'm going to continue striding as far as band I can. How do they look? They look panicked. Okay. Um, they rush up. D, Bardle Schultz, he's going he's gonna to attack. He's going to attack the station. All hands, all hands to the deck. They stop suddenly when they look on Vanda in his Emperor from Star Wars outfit. <gasps> As they do that, Tuck and Dick are going to flank him on each, like, uh, behind each shoulder. <laughs> Bardo is going to make himself as discreet as possible. I'm the lowest rank amongst everybody here, so I'm going to appear that way. Back off. It's a, it's a Shadow Vanguard, is it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, sorry, sorry, sir. There's, uh, there's, there's a pit fighter. His name's Bardo Schultz. He's a... He's a troublemaker and a rabble rouser. Silence. You are to be reinforced. This is Captain Badahoff. He has no friends. Follow his orders or you'll find out why. Captain comes forward and, and says, Soldiers, return to the bandit station immediately. Yeah, yes, Captain. Uh, will, will you be joining us? And their, their eyes are constantly flicking towards Vander and the two automatons and they don't they don't seem comfortable in the current situation they're in. I've begun walking past them. Uh, the captain repeats, return to the bounded station immediately. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. They, they begin to run off away from you guys. My thinking here is if I give them any story, it's open to sort of cracks. Whereas if what they have to essentially say is we deferred to their authority, they're not going to want to say that if it starts to be questioned because they're going to look like they fucked up. So just don't tell them anything. Just tell them where to go and 
So off they go. Don't give him your name, Pike. I, I continue making a beeline to our quarry. I had an identity, you bastard. I don't want to be Captain Badahoff. Oh, <laughs> sorry. What was your identity? <laughs> no, no. You have to find out another quest. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was I... <laughs> I will try to guess correctly next time. <laughs> They've gone now. They've gone. You be you on the next one, buddy. You do yeah. it. Actually, that's <laughs> next true. Time, next people we meet, I'm going to be like, this is Shadow Vanguard PP LaFritz. <laughs> <laughs> I'll play PP LaFritz. <laughs> I'll play the shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> Following on from where the bounders came from, uh, you enter through the huge double doors and are met with the cool air and the echoing sound of your own footsteps with the high ceilings above you. Bardal, you are able to give instructions on how to work your way through the labyrinthine entrance until you reach the doors marked as faults. Hey, told you, didn't I? They always told me when I was a sailor, you have excellent, excellent sense of direction, Bardal, you know? Always remember a way. Been there once, know how to get there. Anyway, here we are. Bolts. Excellent. Yep, so you've got the two wooden double doors in front of you. Uh, Vander turns the top. Tonk, in your bag of seemingly endless tricks, do you have anything that might assist us in locating Benny? Negative. Oh, wow, I really am flummoxed. <laughs> I assume that. <laughs> if, if I could, just, just to help you guys along, uh, these don't look like big, like locked doors. They're just two doors. You said vault. I thought. I thought this was. It was labelled vaults, but it's a. It's just double doors. Augustus tries the door handle. It opens. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Roll credits. We continue through the doors. Augustus, you open mislabeled vault. The double doors and enter. Before you is the welcoming foyer. It's jarringly small. Rough carpeted floors sit at odds with the marble everywhere outside. And before you is a long desk behind which sit three tellers, two gnomes and a human. Each corner of the room is conspicuously empty of any people, uh, although you do see a chair placed neatly. There are two queues of people in front of you. Even from a cursory glance, you can tell they're immaculately dressed and exude an air of wealth and sophistication. Lucky we're so into books, isn't it? There is a large, ornate door behind where the tellers currently are you need to get through that door to get to the vault okay well here goes nothing what security is in the room currently none i walk directly towards the door you're welcome oh <laughs> mustang we need benny with us do we not he's our man for getting into the vault can hold here i think we bet i mean one thing we can do there is just join the queue right there's a queue for the Yep, there are two queues. For the counter. It, uh, absurdly, we're going to be the first D&D crew ever to join the queue. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't feel like Shadow Bank on queue. We, yeah. we go up to the vault door and like knock on it. Someone says, nope, go away. Like, oh, <laughs> shit. oh, please, please let me in. Oh, not the grumpy guy again. Um, as you're stood waiting, a very unusual looking man from the queue turns around and gets a look of Augustus. He smiles. He's got kind of oddly almost shale grey skin, almost obsidian-coloured black hair. He's dressed immaculately in a burgundy three-piece suit, and he steps out of the queue and directly towards you, Augustus. Uh, if you don't mind me saying so, the fit of your uniform is not at all flattering. 
do mind you saying so. Oh, well, I was merely going to offer my services. There's no need to be so caustic. Um, my name is Alanda. I have a shop opposite Batistutas on the Sapphire Promenade. If you'd like to come in, I would be happy to help one of the bounders of the town out with fitting. Free of charge, of course. I thank you. He eyes you up and down, and then he looks at the rest of you for a moment. Bardo interjects and walks over and says, uh, Excuse me, is there a reason why you're bothering my captain? I think he told you to fuck off, didn't he? I think you should go and stand back in your queue. Thank you very much. Bounder business. Jog on. Give me an intimidation check. I'm going to reinforce that play by nodding. 20 then. I meant no offence whatsoever. I will, of course, leave you. And his eyes quickly continue to flit between you all. And you catch what you think is almost a little smirk as he turns around and rejoins the queue. Bardle turns to Augustus and says, I do believe we have just been made, gentlemen. Augustus just kind of looks sort of stern and a bit rigid, but doesn't say anything. So I think the more we say here, the more they're going to kind of figure us out. It just feels like the clock has just speeded up on us. And Augustus mutters to Vanda, I think we'd better hurry. As you say that, Benny, you find your way to the vaults where you find the rest of your crew are waiting in the foyer. Um, So you are now all in the foyer. Stood before you are the two queues. Um, Other than Alanda, the others don't appear to have given you, paid you much attention. Can I do an insight check on uh, Alanda? I want to see if I can discern anything about him that might help us understand whether he is friend or foe. You can certainly try, yeah. 20. You find it very, very difficult to get any information out of him. Um, it's, It's almost suspicious in and of itself that Vanda, who is an expert of reading human physical movements and tells and things like that, is getting zero out of him. Gentlemen, I'm a fairly good judge of character, and I believe we need to move quickly. Agreed, Mustang. Well, it's time. Now we are full compliment. You take center stage, lead us through. Get us past this part. Let us go. Tox's little little tablet thing will read on it to anybody who's going to watch. We could employ violence. I think uh, walking through the doors might do the trick. And Vanda turns and walks towards the doors. So there's there's a small little half door between that, that gets you behind the counter, and then you can just walk straight towards the main vault. Vanda, as you head towards it, the tellers kind of stop for a moment and look around at you. Can I have a performance check, please? Pock will literally follow on his heels with Tick. 18. I love the fact we haven't even asked for admission. We're just breaking in in broad daylight. <laughs> the human teller for a second looks like he's about to ask you a question, but seeing Vanda flanked by two armed automatons with a host of fairly high-ranking bounders and a normal bounder behind him thinks better of it and just kind of gives you a, a little nod and then goes back to serving the person in front of him. I turn to him, you with me. Yes, yes, of course. Um, where, where are we going? Now. And I point to a spot directly to my left. Okay, I'm, uh, yep, I, I, where, where, where is it you'd like to go? Roxy Abelman's vault. Uh, of course, of course, of course. Yes, yes. Lead on. Yes, and uh, he takes out a large key, turns it in the lock, and pushes the huge double doors behind the counter open. Um, if, if you would like to just follow me, I can take you to the left. Uh, and the, the automaton will take you and your associates uh, down to Doxy Abelman's vault. Of course, of course. 
I respond with a kind of silence that tells him that I've heard him, but I'm not responding. So together, you guys walk through the incredibly impressive back area. There's like a huge mosaic on the floor that's depicting some kind of ancient battle, though the, the details of it are a little bit difficult to ascertain at this stage. And he takes you to a set of gold metal doors that you can see through, behind which stands an automaton stood next to a lever. Uh, he pulls out a key, unlocks it, opens the doors. Uh, if you would like to uh, get, get in the lift, uh, the, the automaton will take you down to her vault. You will be joining us. It's it's not normally policy for us to go into the vaults um, of people, especially not the mayor. Your policy doesn't concern me. Could Bardo assist? I was actually going to say, you fucking heard him, and grab him by the back of the scruff and pull him towards the lift. Yeah, I don't see this guy as any kind of a choice. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes. Okay. And he, he steps into the lift first. We step in behind him. Um, uh, vault number one, uh, please, uh, Master Automaton. Um, Doxy Abelman's vault. As you wish. As you guys step into the lift, uh, Vander... Augustus, Bardo, and Tok, you notice a raven unbelievably is circling overhead in the huge cavernous area where you're currently stood, circling around in the sky. As the doors close, the lever is pulled, and you begin to descend. That's be the most awkward lift ride. You guys are so <laughs> terrifying, by the way. You're absolutely terrifying. I'm, I'm worried for this teller. We're all just <laughs> crowded round him. Yeah, exactly. Just like four chests. against, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as the ornate lift descends deeper into the bowels of the topaz keep you can't help but feel a sense of anticipation and awe the automaton its polished brass and steel frame gleaming operates the lift with impeccable precision the gears turn smoothly as you gradually leave the upper levels behind. The air grows cooler and slightly damp, and the faint scent of aged parchment and ancient secrets fills your nostrils. Dim, flickering lanterns line the rough-hewn stone walls, casting dancing shadows that playfully obscure the secrets of this subterranean vault. Finally, with a subtle jolt, the lift comes to a halt, and the doors creak open to reveal Mayor Doxy Abelman's private vault. This this is the vault, there, sir. Vander's hood turns in the direction of Tick. Automaton, they with the lift ensure it goes nowhere. The hood spins in the direction of Augustus. Captain, lead on. And Augustus strides out. Just as a quick uh, sort of guide to what I see on a scale of like zero to Scrooge McDuck, how, how loaded is, is this vault? The vault itself it has rows of weathered bookshelves stacked high with dusty tomes lining the walls. Ancient maps, faded and brittle, hang as relics of bygone eras. Now before you are steps that lead into the first section of the vault, and you can see four gleaming automatons, two on each side, each equipped with halberds. They appear to show no signs of movement, and the lights of their eyes are dimmed. Okay, that is absolutely terrifying. And also, the Scrooge McDuck-ometer is definitely staying. <laughs> You notice in Bardo's hands, which are just hanging by his side, uh, mist begins to appear and forming of those mists. 
are his two swords, which he now clutches one in each hand. I've uh, seen this story before, boys. Forgive me if I don't prepare myself. Carry on as you were. Vander's head, by the way, uh, just the hood, turns and looks down at the swords that appeared out of nowhere. Then the hood looks up in the direction of Bardal and then turns back to the front. (laughs) (laughs) Directly in front of you, beyond the chamber you're currently in, is a large circular metal door with a spinning wheel in the centre. It's very obviously an actual vault. Gentlemen, I suspect if we approach these automatons, they may be activated and they may defend the vault against us. I wonder, do we suspe- Do we suppose the, auto- the steamrunner plans will be behind that vault door? Or given the apparent wealth and importance of this person, would such plans be a relatively low priority and may lie out here and some greater riches might lie beyond the door. Is um is is that the evidence then, sir? These steam runner plans you're talking about, is that is that the evidence we've been sent to collect? Yes, that's the evidence we're here to collect. Right. Gotcha. This dirty tamarind scum will pay for this. As you as you turn around you can see that the teller kind of looks down awkwardly at the floor, but there's a little smile on his face. He obviously appreciated the insult thrown at the Tamrace Foundation. You, Teller. Uh, yes, yes. Do you know anything of this vault? Have you ever set foot here? Uh, we are not permitted uh, to enter the vaults of private citizens, especially not the mayor. But uh, everything I've heard, this is where um, Mayor Doxy Abelman keeps all of her wealth and belongings, anything unique. Um, as you can see on either side, there are original generation automatons. Um, I believe they are de- deactivated at the moment. She um, has stolen... She has stolen plans for a steam runner. Where would they be? They would likely be beyond the vault door. If I may, you you don't like the Tamrace Foundation? No, my good man. And it sounds to me that you don't like them either. And now he's gonna Augustus is gonna turn on the charm and charisma. I haven't done a charisma I haven't done a charisma check in this campaign yet, and I've got oodles of charisma. Let me charisma him. <laughs> you say from terrifying captain to Bertie Worcester. In- <laughs> <laughs> Please give me a persuasion check. Oh, I want to do a charisma. It is charisma. Oh. <laughs> also, I'm assuming they need to make a save for whiplash as well. <laughs> <laughs> he falls lifeless to the ground. <laughs> he smiled. I liked it. 24. He is absolutely charmed. Someone, he might swoon. Someone stand next to him. <laughs> Tok is currently standing next to him, waiting to arrest him. So. The next time my small talk fails, I'm going to say, oh, I wanted to do a charisma. <laughs> <laughs> So, so it is. Uh, I'm of the belief that the Tamrace Foundation is the is the the biggest scourge on Slate Home that I have ever seen. I think they are evil. I don't trust them, and I don't understand why the mayor appears to be dealing with them quite as much as she is. If I may, the vault is open, sir. The mayor is inside. God damn it, Augustus! I know I like this boy. Bottle knocks the hat off his head, pulls his uh, outfit off. Clammy, clammy, terrible shit this is. <gasps> Bardo Schultz. Hello, young man. As you were. You seem an, ast- you seem an astute young man. What's your name? Um, my name is Alex. A fine, fine name. I, I've never really liked it. Fuck you. No. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you bastards. <laughs> this game just comes at you from all different angles. Alex, walk with me. We are going to open that vault. 
And I'm looking now for any sign of tre- of uncertainty in him as we go forward. Uh, then I'm going to assume that that he's genuine in what he's saying. Remember, he's never been down here before. Yeah, but he like if he's if he's trying to lead us into trouble, if he's deliberately trying to lead us into trouble, I want to know. And he whether or not he's been here, he'll know if he's trying to walk us into a trap. Give me an insight check. This guy's getting a sword in the eye for being nervous, isn't he? <laughs> 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 yeah, I've been super charming, and now it's murder time. Eleven. Okay, well, I mean, this guy's not like a superhero, so it's a DC 10. You're fine. This guy has seemed utterly terrified since you first met him, but having now spoken to you, he seems kind of boy. So there's an extra level of confidence as he walks alongside you straight towards the vault door. Vander takes his hood off to reassure him. You see you see a wobble. <laughs> Augustus vomits and falls to the ground. No. <laughs> Um, I Augustus claps the young man on the shoulder and nods to him as we jointly put. I'm kind of imagining like one of those giant wheel things we turn on the on the door of the vault. Yeah. No more that if you're gonna just boldly march past the automatons, Tok's gonna thank you. Yeah, Bardo is exactly the same mind. Hang on, whoa, whoa, whoa. someone needs to stay with the automaton who's got who's on the lift, please. Oh, we could deact we could deactivate that automaton very soon. Well, just let's leave Tick back there with that. I've guy. already done that. So Tok is guarding, is looking at the other automatons to make sure they don't come alive and kill us. In fact, he will. In fact, he'll inspect them whilst uh, um, Augustus is going for the door. Great, yeah. Can't can't go past an automaton without interfering with it. Give me give me a um, investigation check. In fact, if he can, he'll guide himself. Yeah, yes, but no, I mean, <laughs> um, he'll uh, deactivate the auto- as in check the cranial plate to deactivate it. Okay, that is a twenty-eight. Tuck, you go up to investigate. These are Generation 1 automatons. These are the oldest automatons that you've actually seen. You very quickly are able to remove their faceplates, get straight into their brain cores. Which you smash. (laughs) They all have immaculate insides. Their brains are immaculate. And they're they're already deactivated. Ah, And it's the similar one crystal being removed that we saw last time. Correct. Okay, in which case Tok will replace the faceplate, take out his bag of holding, and stuff one of the automatons into the bag of holding. The rest of you watch as Tok pulls out his small bag, runs it over the top of one of the automatons, which just disappears. And then he'll put that bag back in his uh, in his pack without mentioning anything. I believe I believe you can squeeze two in there, by the way, just in case you're wondering. Just about, okay, if he can squeeze two in there, he'll get a second. Okay. And I believe the light of the last fan that thinks Tok is a sweetheart just blinked out. <laughs> uh, while, while Tok is performing the most incredible close-up magic with a bag and two automatons, uh, Augustus flanked by Bardle and uh, Benny, where are you? Well, I, I'd say, well, hang, hang on a sec, lads. What's, what's the plan here? Are we just barging straight in? Yes, Benny. Barge in, accost Mayor, take plans, maybe lock Mayor back in vault. We'll see. We need to know why the Mayor's in the vault. Alex, is, is Mary on her own? I believe she's here with her personal assistant. Uh, his name is Simmons, and he's a dick. Let's kill Simmons. First job, I reckon, is um, tying up young Alex here. I mean, Alex, I imagine you've worked out we are not a collection of bounders in a shadow vanguard because you're not an idiot. I am shocked. I am appalled. Yeah. Alex, we're going to tie you up and chuck you in corner. We're not going to hurt you. But we don't want them thinking that you had any involvement in this because you seem like a nice lad. And, I don't uh, mind. I want them to know I was involved. That's not a great idea, is it? Fuck the Empire. 
Yes. yes. Yes, Alec. You. Come on, Benny. Give the boy a chance. No, actually, oh. Benny is doing something really kind here, but Augustus is drunk on power, so he's just carrying on. All right, you try and help. Carry on, do you like? If this is the path he is to take, it would be unsafe for him to remain. Well, yeah, it will be. Yeah. Yes. Alex, very quick aside. If you open this door as part of our group, you will never be able to stay in Slate Home. Do you understand and do you consent to these terms? He steps forward and begins to pull the door open. Oh, Bardle hands Alex a bladed club. As always, we're radicalising everywhere we go. <laughs> <laughs> he, he grabs the bladed club and he looks so uncomfortable and awkward holding it. It like dips down to the floor and he's kind of dragging it with both hands. This this young lad has had zero training with weapons. Do not try to kill anyone, young man. That is just for courage and nothing more. And to make you look even scarier than you do already, you're awesome, Alex. Thank you, Mr. Schultz. It's a genuine pleasure to meet you. I know. This guy's going to be dead in 15 seconds. <laughs> Operation Mince Meat is a go. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go into what may well be a fight, um, Tok will deactivate the automaton in the lift and bring Tick with us. Okay. The, I'm assuming the operation of the lift was not terribly complex. Just seemed to be a lever, to be honest. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Tok is evil! <laughs> okay. We smash another automaton. Is there any kids we could... Could we arm any children? He's doing the easily... So he's doing the thing where he can, it can easily be reactivated, yeah. So having having killed one automaton and stolen two others... <laughs> sorry, kidnapped two others. Alex pulls the heavy door open, and beyond it is a tiny little corridor with a singular door at the end of it, which is ajar. You can hear muffled voices coming from inside the final chamber ahead of you. The chamber ahead of you. <laughs> I wonder if it's the final chamber. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> well, Augustus is going to have a wee listen just to see if there's anything useful I can discern before we proceed. As you approach, uh, you hear a female gnome's voice saying, a Am I doing the right thing, Simmons? Yes, my lady. Yeah, but are you sure? Well, seems to be haven't been given much choice, my lady. Hand over the plans, get rich. Don't hand them over. Face the bite of the Empire attacking the city. Seems pretty straightforward to me. I'm not sure the people of Slatehome will see it like that. Perhaps. We really should get going. You have an appointment at Irlanders for a fitting, and then you need to welcome the Tamrace family to Slatehome. They're settling in in the old Whitestone place on Sapphire Promenade. We need to visit the orphanage as well to congratulate them on another year of fine work. The work of a public servant is never done, is it, Simmons? No, lady. Seems not. Even Bardle feels bad right now. Vanda doesn't feel bad, but Hang on. very quick. Oh, go on then. Before you all kill everyone, um, <laughs> Augustus turns back to them and mutters, gentlemen, there may be a diplomatic solution here. Allow me to attempt it before you cast Mind Spike on everyone. <laughs> not, not pointing the finger at anyone in particular. Augustus is now going to take charge of this situation because it seems there's no other alternative. He removes... As much of the captain's uniform as he can without obviously just stripping off. Like he doesn't he no longer wants to be in disguise. He strides down the corridor and into the doorway of the final chamber at the end. Before you are two gnomes, the obvious mayor Doxy Abelman and her assistant Simmons, both in very, very nice pinstripe suits. Uh, behind them appears to be a golden altar. One compartment of the altar is open, and there is a pile of documents in there on that she has been leafing through and has just placed back. They both spin suddenly. Oh, what What are you What, what are you doing here? So in Flawless Gnomish, 
Mayor Abelman, I am Augustus Zeno. I hail from Denothlia. I am a sworn enemy of the Empire. I believe you operate under their heel, and I'm a he- I am here to offer you another way. He looks at Simmons for a moment. I'm listening. My friends and I, my friends are behind me in the corridor. Is that Bardle Schultz? A- and Bardle Schultz. You see a little oh. wrinkle on her nose. Bardle looks back, holding her stare, and is only holding his tongue for the respect that he has gained for Augustus in the last few days, and is allowing him to take his lead. But Bardle is furious at the moment, and is holding himself back from just storming in and taking the plans for his gnomish friends. Okay, and Augustus, before you begin to speak, Vanda, your perception allows you to see Alex has lifted his club and his body is shaping like he's about to run in. Uh, I'm going to cast Kinetic Hand and push him backwards. I love the fact that there's a different name for the spell each time. We all yeah. thought mine spiked, didn't we? <laughs> 100%. I would have bought all my money on mine spiked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, oh. What's the one where invisible fire kills everyone? <laughs> the reason I've gone Kinetic Hand is because that's a cantrip. Mine spike would actually cost me a spell slot. <laughs> uh, so young Alex lifts the bladed club takes half a step in the direction of the final antechamber vanda casually raises a hand with a little tug uh, alex kind of gets dragged back his feet sliding on the floor as he comes back to join me i'm going to lean into his ear and say not vanguard but yes some shadow he looks utterly petrified augustus Mayor Abelman, the rising tide of the Empire's power has reached its peak, and today it turns, and it turns here, far from the Empire's capital, from the centre of its power. It might seem far-fetched, but we believe we are the people to begin that turn of the tide. And with your help, we will begin by refusing the Tamrace Foundation its chance to take the plans for the Steam Runner, and begin to break the Empire's power in Slatehome, and watch as its power crumbles and that that disintegration runs all the way to the Empire's heart in Lunadine. Give me a persuasion check. You're going to tell me that's part of charisma, right? Yeah. Give me a charisma. <laughs> uh, well, 23. I have listened to your kind words. They fill me with a sense of rebellion I did not think it was possible for me to have. But I need you to understand something, Augustus. The Empire holds all the cards. If... I don't hand over the Steamrunner plans, they will undoubtedly kill me, and my family, and anyone associated with me. I am not a fighter. What am I to do in a situation like that? When someone else holds all the cards, you change the game. We are here, and no power of the Empire can reach inside the walls of Slatehome. We believe, from everything we've seen, there's little love for the Empire here, and their power is an illusion, a card trick held together by the collective fear of the Empire and little more. With your help, you can demonstrate to the people, to the gnomes here, that that power is indeed weak and false, and your survival will show others that they too can resist the Empire and remain unscathed. And what would you say if I were to tell you that if I don't do what they tell me to do, that they will launch an all-out assault on this city? Will you be there to protect us? Will you be standing alongside me as I offer my life up to the Empire? Ardle steps forward and says, I will. I will defend this city. Not for you, Mayor, but for the people of this town. For the gnome, we will stand. I'd like to see them come. Will you have to excuse me, Mr. Schultz? But I hardly think an actor 
is best placed to fight against the Empire. Damn! He raises his sword to her. How predictable. Some of us don't have the luxury of anger. Some of us have to do what we can with what we have. Mayor Abelman, we will not abandon you. However, I accept your argument that bringing a full-scale attack upon your city could be disastrous. So perhaps we can leave this place with the plans for the steam runner, having robbed you. You may We may construct a story to explain how that happened and that you gave a brave resistance to us. Uh, and indeed, our entry here can hardly have gone unnoticed. Perhaps the mayor should give her life for her friends and her family. As I step closer with the sword raised at the mayor. After all, she was too much of a coward to give it for the people she was elected to protect. And perhaps she will give it to protect her family and friends. Um, Augustus points over, raises a hand over his shoulder and gestures towards Vanda, sort of hoping that Vanda here is going to intervene to prevent it. That's what this situation needs, a torturer. (laughs) As, as, As he mentions that, Tok is going to try and whisper to Vanda since he's standing right next to him. Oh my God, give me a stealth check immediately. <laughs> Cover your ears! Cover your ears, everyone! This is going to be so loud! <laughs> no. um, okay, Tox going to try and whisper to Vanda. Um, ah, that nearly was awesome. Okay, uh, he rolls a 12. They're just a dull roar then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to say it's almost a whisper. Almost a whisper. Not quite, but almost. There may be a compromise position. The plans may be given to the Emperor, but the true plans taken by us. False plans may be made. Deception. Banda nods uh, and begins to shuffle in the direction of the group. As he does so, he's going to cast message on Alex. So words appear in Alex's head. In a sibilant hiss, Alex hears the first whisperings of rebellion, Alex. You'll spread the word, won't you? And the, the sibilant hiss dies out. To those looking at Alex, um, you can see that Alex stands up a little straighter and looks a little bit more confident. If I may offer an alternative, he says, with one of his the very disingenuous genuflects, it may be possible to alter the plans so that we take the correct plans and the Empire take plans which ultimately produce broken metal and no transport. This saves lives and, of course, keeps the very precious information in the hands of the gnomes. Is anyone else thinking this is how the British rail system came about? <laughs> except, except we got the false plans? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. I've been on the false plans. Vanda, <laughs> give me a persuasion check at advantage because you are, you're kind of, it's becoming like almost a team persuasion at the moment. 25. Is that a natural 20? That is a natural 20. I mean, we're all trying to persuade her of different things. She's highly persuadable, apparently. It's <laughs> <laughs> just so suggestible. Frankly, Charlie's just Charlie's just become the the monorail salesman from The Simpsons. <laughs> monorail. <laughs> I've done the dance, and here yeah, we are. Yeah. I'm just at that point where I'm just shaking my hat at the end of the tune. <laughs> if only we'd brought the automatons to serenade you. For the first time, you see doubt in her eyes, and she kind of looks and looks over at Simmons, who gives a little shrug. That is a good plan. We could make that work. Who are you? My name is Vanderfinnick at your service. Another bow. If you don't mind me saying so, you are an unusual group. It may have been said, though we are 
a talented group. I think I can make this plan work. And she turns around and reaches in to the vault and pulls out some blueprints. She kind of holds it in one hand and smacks it into her other hand. Take them. And his gnarled hand shoots out and the plans disappear in the folds of his robes. Even his disguise robes have lots of pockets. Oh, yeah. And the doll, the talking doll, which disappeared in there many episodes ago. Presumably she's reading them. <laughs> Mustang. Bardle turns to Vanda. I hold, he holds his hand out. Remember your agreement. The plan. I nod. Of course. You understand that to get the plans, though, we will have to avoid bloodshed in the vault. I assume that meets with your approval. As long as you put the plans in my hand, Mustang, you shall have my approval. Then it's a deal. Vanda places the plans in Bardal's hand and turns back to the mayor. Your eminence, it strikes me that you will shortly be in need of a great deal of help. Some, of course, will be from noble folk in Slateholme. Other deeds, though, may well take more finesse. Should you need that kind of help, then maybe we can be of service. And speaking of service, I believe we've just done you one. And look at us stood here in a vault, surrounded by valuables. You have me at something of a disadvantage, Van der Finnick. You may take anything you find in this vault. Bardle Schultz. Yes, my lady. Um, should any of this come to light, I will, of course, pin all the blame on you. I insist that you leave the city immediately. Well, I won't say you're hurting my feelings here, Mayor, but uh, that feels like a win-win for everyone. Sends the name of Bardle Schultz further into the minds of... Everyone who will hear it. And I can carry on my adventuring ways, bringing my glory, my swords, and my damn right handsome face to everybody on this goddamn plane. So yes, why not? But uh, before you go, I have 15 minutes. He's intimating that he'd like to knock boots with the mayor. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that, that was very... Be- I've got <laughs> it. I think, I think even <laughs> Top got that. <laughs> Top absolutely did not get that. Just to be clear, were you in character there? Or- <laughs> <laughs> that, that is a... Offer, Bardle Schultz, um, allow me to respond with something I've always wanted to say to you. You are, without doubt, the worst human being I've ever had the misfortune of knowing. I know. Sticks and stones, Bardle. <laughs> Mayor Abelman, how... Oh, sorry. Mayor, Abel, Mayor Abelman, how will you explain our very public entry to and presumably exit from your vault? I'm the mayor. I will just pretend it didn't happen. And this young teller, you will um, you will back me up on that, will you not? Yes, mayor. Yes, Alex says. Bardle winks and gives a thumbs up to Alex. Is there a, is there a back way out or anything, Alex? Uh, the, the only way out is through the lift. But I can, uh, I can escort you all out. Mayor, how do you propose to create the false plans? So I will have Gearhead make fake plans. She has proven herself adept at creating falsities in the past. That would have been my suggestion as well, my liege. As I'm easing my conscience of many things, there is one further piece of information which I overheard from the Shadow Vanguard known as Tiara. There is a small settlement in the Moonshadow Mountains known as Haven. It would seem that another Shadow Vanguard by the name of Morven has made it his life's work to destroy the inhabitants. Have you heard of Haven? It may ring a bell. 
it is in the path of the steam runner. It is going to be their connection to Royum Dion, and it is in the way. If you are as noble as you seem, I am. My suggestion would be that the people of Haven require your assistance. They are part of Ovik, and while I may only be the mayor of Slateholm, I consider them my people. Did you say I am? Yeah, I was going to say, if you ever speak to anyone, and in the middle of the corner the noble, they go, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Then then they're not. (laughs) Benny chips and he says, well, well, Mayor, we we will be doing that. So thank you for that bit of information. You are obviously accustomed to adventuring with one another. Do you have a name? We don't, to be honest. We found that um, it's better not to have names because names are things that people remember. That's been our experience so far, but I guess it's what we might need to think about. I quite understand, Your Grace. You will need a name to call upon us, and we will furnish you with one just as soon as we've decided. One final question for you, though. This tailor, I'm interested to know more. His name is Alanda. He has the most magnificent grasp of haberdashering and dealing with all sorts of materials. I... I must admit, I know little about him other than he is charming and entertaining. I'm not even entirely sure where he's come from. I don't recognise his look. I quite understand. Be advised that he may well have seen through our ruse de guerre upstairs. Well, I have an appointment with him right now. I will speak to him. He owes me a favour. I will make sure that he stands in line. Oh, thanks. Uh, Now, talk. How much can fit in that bag of yours? Uh, so, Dom, I'm assuming with two automatons in there, not an awful lot else. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Tox also pretty strong and he's got a big rucksack. So, Dom, uh, while this is going on, uh, Bardle realizes that this is no place of his. So, he turns uh, now again to Doxy Ableman, offering her his arm and says, uh, Perhaps I may at least escort you to the elevator. I am not a complete stranger to sartorial elegance myself. Perhaps we can discuss it on the way. Oh, good lord, you are relentless. Give me a persuasion check. <laughs> he does not know when he's beaten. <laughs> Never. Going to roll another one now, isn't he? Going to be right. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I... Oh, wow, that's a... Yeah, that's a four. <laughs> I wouldn't be seen in public with you if we were the last two people left alive on all of Alestia. Don't ever talk to me again. As she walks away, I say, that can be arranged, Mayor. That can be arranged! Could somebody fix this automaton, please? I would like to leave the vault. You, uh, you might be better off keeping your head down anyway, Bardle, to be honest. Let's not forget that every boundary in city is going to realise that Bardle Schultz is not at the Steamrunner Man's Inn fairly soon, so I would quite like to be out of the city when that happens. That seems like a fairly sensible idea. Uh, fill our pockets then, gentlemen. How, how does the gnome react to that? The Mayor react to that, sorry. Uh, she is currently just staring at the broken automaton and trying to avoid the uh, the gaze of Bardo Schultz. <laughs> I was going to say, the quite ungainly sight of this group now just <laughs> pilfering. <laughs> I mean, Augustus, okay, is, Augustus is going to go and talk to the mayor and just make small talk with the mayor because he's definitely not going to indulge in the looting of the vault whose owner is standing right there. <laughs> You can just see Banda's feet. He's in a pile of money. <laughs> <laughs> it's a four on the Scrooge Brick Duck. <laughs> yep. Let's do some looting. <laughs> <laughs> fills his looting boots. Um. 
All of you can add 250 gold each to your inventories. Um, and the other things of note you find are a collection of books and a lot of parchments and scroll. But because you're trying to act quickly, you don't look at what they are. You just kind of fill up the bag until it's full. Tok will fill his fill his bag and then go and when we're already replace the crystal in the cranial plate of the lift automaton, uh, thus allowing us to escape. And everyone who came down in the lift, along with the mayor and Simmons, now all squeeze back into the lift to make it just a little bit more uncomfortable. We, on the way down, we created the most awkward lift journey of all time. And on the way back up, we displaced that down to number two. Is <laughs> <laughs> the time for more smelling salts? Yes, or if there's someone, did someone drop a vial of piss to bring the tension? <laughs> or maybe there's an enraged raven that's going to be waiting for us at the other end. <laughs> <laughs> Bardo turns suddenly to Simmons and says, You know, I once grappled and won a wrestling match against a Miralith. Of course, she was furious, but she had the most beautiful eyes this old fool's ever seen. Brief conversation about misunderstandings later, and we found ourselves in an entirely different embrace. You're very close to my face. Oh, anyway. Please don't talk to me. Where were we? <laughs> you reach back to the top of the Topaz Keep. Uh, the golden door slides back and you're all able to kind of spill out. Alex says, I think it might be an idea if we let the mayor and Simmons leave first and then I will escort the rest of you out and I will make it seem as official as possible to draw no attention. Agreed, Alex. Uh, Simmons, um, we have a, an appointment at Alanda's, I believe. Uh, gentlemen, it has been an experience. The mayor kind of gives you a nod. And along with Simmons, they begin to leave. Just as they do, I'm looking up at the raven and wondering if there's any kind of check I can do around that to see if I can ascertain what that's about. Mind spike. <laughs> I mind spike the raven. No. Uh, you can give me a perception check. Oh, eight. Uh, it's a very attractive raven. It's in good condition. I question my... Uh, Weird attraction to the raven, but say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> a rather worrying development. <laughs> Gentlemen, um, if if you'd like to accompany me, I will uh, take you out of the vault. Everyone, everyone ready? Yeah. Nods. Yeah, let's go. Indeed. Okay, and uh, he begins to lead you out. Um, he gets you to the large double doors, opens them up. Um, you, you know the way out from here, I take it? Indeed. Steel trap, Alex. It, it has been a genuine pleasure um, meeting each of you. And he gives Vander a bit of a side eye as if he's a little bit worried about him. Good, good, good luck with everything. And uh, thank you. You've, you've made me very happy. You're a good man, Alex. As Benny passes, he shakes his hand and say, says, Alex, remember, don't do out stupid. Look after yourself. Good luck. Uh, thank you. Thank you. As Vander passes him. He uh, taps him on the or puts his hand lightly on his shoulder and says, remember our talk. I, I will. Excellent. And he closes the doors behind you and you guys are now in the kind of main entranceway to the Topaz Keep. I have a suggestion. We should not pass by the Bounders Station. I suggest we descend the cliff by Slinker's Orphanage. 
I love that idea, Talk. Yes. You head out of the Topaz Keep and you begin to head in a southerly direction towards the slope. And you are able to navigate it fairly simply. It's You find yourself in the back garden area of Slinker's Orphanage. And it isn't long before you're in the slips. Uh, I suggest that we change out of the... Well, you guys will change out of the mm, yeah. bounder uniforms and whatnot. Agreed. Well, there's there's lots of little alleyways and nooks in which you can kind of like. Is it the the slips is a particularly nasty area? You know, that's fine. Well, let's let's change out of the band of stuff, but continue to look like a badass kind of group striding along. So are we just are we just walk along, just like peeling bits off and just throwing them as we go? <laughs> <laughs> they might be useful later on for another. Yeah, let's just let's yes yeah, quickly stow our stuff and move onwards. Yeah, I return my stuff once I've taken it off. Could we find that the raven's maybe about 50 feet ahead? Completely unrelated to the raven that's circling overhead and is 50 feet ahead of you. Um, Benny, you get you get this weird sense, right? Strange sense that the bounders are starting to rush in through the main gate. Now, they've obviously now discovered that Bardo is not at this steamrunner man's inn. Oh, fuck, Knuckles. Why do we come this way? Got this, um, got this hunch that the bounders are making their way back into the city, so... We might do well just to uh, just to make ourselves um, quiet and tucked away in a corner for a bit while they um, while they get back to where they need to go because I think they're flooding back in through Man Gate at the moment and it might be good not to bump into them. As you're all standing talking to each other, Bardle turns and says, "Gentlemen, I think this is where we make our goodbyes." And he just tips his hand and backs and turns and walks through the first door that he sees and just closes it behind him. Anyone else <laughs> hoping for that to be a closet? Anders says as he turns to the rest of the group. <laughs> you hear a furious clucking of chickens and he bursts out <laughs> Farewell, uh, Bardle. <laughs> a quick goodbye. Don't like a long goodbye. Uh, gentlemen, I don't think anyone has any particular reason to be seeking us. So let us just find, uh, let us find a tea house. Tuck ourselves away. As we make our way, I'm going to hobble past the door, which I assume Bardle is just stood behind. And say, I hope our paths do cross again, Mr. Schultz. As you walk past the door, it opens ever so slightly and you see Bardor. And he holds out his hand. And in his hand is a small stone with a small rune uh, carved into the top, which is like a hammer with a, uh, a lightning bolt and a ray of sunshine, which he drops into your hand, winks and closes the door. I look at the stone, immediately understanding what it is, throw it up in the air very slightly to catch it again as I stir it in my pocket and uh, carry on my walk behind the others whilst thinking a true showman to the end. Lander, please add a Bardell Schultz sending stone to your inventory. Amazing. So you guys, uh, you slip into a Batilda Snapshots tea house. Vander orders some Napier's Singer tea. He turns to the group and says, Oh, well, tea, it's really just soup by another name. <laughs> <laughs> and then we'll end it there.
Chuck, just before you go, yeah, yeah. Um, since you don't speak Gnomish, ignore the message I just sent you. Okay, <laughs> roger that. That's the most D&D thing anyone's ever said. Since you don't speak <laughs> Gnomish, ignore the message. I hey, I've sent. learned after a long suffering experience. Roger that, how's Matt? Yeah, that's a right, <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs> It'll get you there in the end. Yeah. In 29 insight. No, well, yeah, so talk to me about that role. What just happened? Um, that was an insight from Ilanda, who was just trying to get the, the measure of you guys. And has it? Jesus, he's got her inside leg there, hasn't he? Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. Hell of a tailor. <laughs> it's gone weird. Can is that possible? Did I? Hang on, there we go. No, it's okay. Oh my god, I was like, how did you roll a zero on a d20? <laughs> I say the world ends. The great serpent Jormungander appears. And, yeah. Can we come back later to the great serpent Jormungander? <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please consider supporting Dice Company on Patreon, where for the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to a whole other show, Extra Roll, as well as an ad-free listening experience. The Dice Company Discord server, along with our socials, can be found on our link tree in the show notes. If you enjoyed this chapter, please like and subscribe, and don't forget to recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like it, recommend us to your enemies. And we'll see you next time on Dice Company. Dice Company.